0: Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, February 26, 2019. That's Ian Ferguson. Hello. And I'm Pat Contra. You'll be here to discuss lots of good stuff Reggie Fiesemay is retiring from Nintendo. we are talking about hardcore Genesis game to be packed in with the release of the Analog Mega SG. Epic Games suing a Fortnite festival, one I mentioned on the podcast last time. Uh, maybe other, a few other topics, maybe a Q&A or two. Uh, we got back from... SoCal Retro Gaming Expo in Pasadena, California. Scenic and beautiful and sunny Pasadena. Beautiful area. You know. Actually, it really was. I, I didn't know what to expect of Pasadena. I'd never been
1: there before. A lot of old money. Yeah, you can tell there's a lot of money there of, of some sort. Um, but yeah, the area where the convention was held in was really cool. There was a nice little like, open-air mall with tons of eateries. and Yeah, I, I enjoyed the area quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and um, this was the first time SoCal uh, Retro Gaming Expo was held in Pasadena. Um, they had at Son Collectible Show before. Bobby, is the son of the owner of Frank and Son Collectible Show, and so he runs it. Does a great job. Um, yeah, there's probably four thousand people there over the weekend. Yeah, it was a, it was... Saturday was really jumping, yep. and, and Sunday wasn't. Some conventions uh, Sundays are dead. This was not dead. No. It, it was still a little busy.
1: Well, I think that can be attributed to they had a really good. Um, you know, if they weren't buying, they were going back for the uh, console arcade, the free play arcade. Um, you know, they had a lot of really nice setup.
0: I didn't even get a chance to look through the arcade and see what was going on. I was challenged
1: to a game of pinball, and then I played a little Sunset Riders with uh, uh, a nice dude who's our a uh, regular customer at Luna.
0: Did you did you uh, play the AVP machine that was set up? No, I didn't. Especially just... designed. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because they um they they made it off of the uh, what's the type that it goes underneath and goes to the console area? Oh, what type, what's that machine called? That machine type? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So it wasn't a dedicated uh, Alien vs Predator, sure. but they they modded one of those. Uh, you know, like you always see the fighting games. What the hell are those the called? Candy cab? No, not a candy cab. The monitors separate. Oh, those the, I can't remember what they're called, but the Dynamo. Ones... Yeah, they're Dynamo cabinets.
1: That's actually how I used to. See Alien vs Predator mostly. Oh, really? In Buffalo, is on those days. Well,
0: traditionally, phones. usually fighting games, so more people can walk mm-hmm. around because because the control panel is like three and a half, four feet from the monitor, something right. like that. So it's a little more set, and it's up more. I uh, had a great time. Thanks for coming out, everyone, uh, to the panel on Saturday. <laughs> it's probably about 150 people or so. Yeah, at, at our Saturday panel, uh, we discussed one topic uh, that we're going to be segueing into in a bit. We also discussed uh, bathroom etiquette. Yeah, and washing their sure hands. And there's a controversy on the CU podcast for bathroom etiquette. So a question came up about washing your hands and the procedure leaving a, a bathroom. And Ian likes to soap up before getting his hand moist with water. That's right, I soap up first. And uh like me in the um civilized society, we agreed that you want to moisturize with your with your hand first with some water. That gets it that gets that activation going a little bit better with the soap. It can foam up better. It's not all dry and disgusting. But if it's someone just what
1: someone does. If someone peed on the faucet, that soap gives me a protective barrier before I turn the water
0: on. But you're going to the soap anyway, as your as your final movement, so I it doesn't matter. Okay, fine. <laughs> I just I, I ripped holes through that theory. <laughs> but, but so that it was really fun. It was a great panel. Um, um su- surprisingly or not. You know, uh, I I know uh, the internet hates us now. We hate gamers. Uh, we didn't get anyone coming up to saying that they, they couldn't stand us because of our take on a mobile game. Yeah. So that was that was interesting, not that surprising, but it just shows how how little that really mattered and how much that was just manufactured bullshit uh, out, outrage for the sake of it. Mm, yes, indeed. You know, you think that you'd be like, oh, there's gonna be like a couple people come up and say, they man, you guys fell off, or I disagree with you. No, no one gives a shit because it's not an issue. It wasn't an issue, really. <laughs> Right? Yes, it's not. I mean, it's, it never
1: was an issue. Someone asked about it at the Q and A, and I feel like we gave a pretty good answer about it.
0: Sure, but they weren't antagonistic. That's, no, I'm they weren't. Honest, like, what do you think went down? Uh, we, chat out to uh, Retrobit. Uh, can, can you hear me one of those controllers, Ian? Yeah. Uh, Given out uh, to me and Ian, we got a Sega Saturn, uh, S- Sega Saturn USB controllers with the Model Two controller, nice, and then also a Sega Genesis uh, eight button controller. That Ian's struggling to get around his mic stand. I don't know why this is an issue, but <laughs> uh, so yeah, these these are coming out soon. I believe the USB ones are uh, twenty, and the ones that aren't USB are fifteen or five dollars less. Either that are twenty and twenty five. Nice. I think Genesis ones are a little bit cheaper than the Saturn ones, but these look, these look good, and they also have their um, their N sixty four controllers coming out that are modeled after the Hori N sixty four controllers. Nice. I don't know you, so they look really good. So the Hori controllers were third party controllers that they didn't make a lot of them. And so they sell used for, like, 80 90 bucks, So these are modeled after those. You know, they're, like, they're like a little bit circular. Um, and they have the cute little D-pad on the bottom. Yeah. And the thumbstick is, like, fatter and better than the N64. Yeah, just overall stick. more comfortable. Uh, and then finally, sorry, I should have put this on this side. Uh, my pal Blake Harris, as Leo moves, uh, has released to acclaim That's the author of Console Wars. Be. The history of the future. Wow, you really are sick. This is not heavy at all. No, <laughs> the, no. the history of the of the future. Oculus, Facebook, and the revolution that swept virtual reality. So this was a long time uh, coming. Forward by Ernest Klein, author of Ready Player One. Uh, so this goes into uh, Oculus and, and Facebook and, and all that. And, and basically uh, uh, Palmer and his rise and eventual fall as well. So any, any fans uh, of his uh, first book should probably check this out. Or if you're into uh, VR and what's going on with it and where it's been at, this is this is the book. And I will, I Blake, I will finish this. I'm sorry I never finished uh, finished uh, Console Wars. I'm I'm sorry about that. So uh, shout out there as well. Um, yeah. So uh, NES Marathon's coming up March 9th and 10th. Darn toot. Go to NESMarathon.com. Uh, that'll be raising money uh, for a nonprofit children's hospital, Rady Children's Hospital, one of the best children's hospitals in in the U.S. Uh, they, they five hundred thirty uh, beds, I believe they have at the facility, and uh, doing great work in all all forms of pediatrics uh, there, and um, we also have a uh, a Kickstarter, right? Yes, yes that's you at, do. That's that. Uh, what is that at? Jeez, I should know. Uh, UltimateSNES.com. What is that? I should know. I should be. I should be checking this. You think I'd be checking this every morning? Uh, but no, with the convention going on. I wasn't able to. It's at 71,799 backers. Be the 800th backer and and get a no prize when, you get, when you're the 800th backer. <laughs> There's 17 days to go there. Uh, check it out. Thank you so much for the support so far there and uh I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll do some advertising here and there for that as well the next coming weeks uh looks like the the marathons at six hundred dollars starting off we're also looking for sponsors for the nes marathon as well more details on the page there and you can see the cute little artwork unfortunately alex is cut off because i had to crop it uh for the no funny page so <laughs> alex wouldn't mind alex is alex is, is the best he's a chill guy you that's cool man that's cool yes. he <laughs> wouldn't care about that uh, we also did so we also took out the trash last week on Twitter. It was a fun time. It was two uh, individuals uh, two cockroaches that well every once in a while you just have to stamp out and people say why, why bother with with people loading the totem pole it 's to make an example sometimes and I felt it was necessary, and so did Ian. So we dealt with it the best way we could. And these are individuals that I will just say um, took the wrong path. They took the dark path. They They did. These are both individuals that used to do regular gaming news and game reviews. And these two individuals uh, realized either uh, this is too hard or too difficult or either I don't have the talent to make it doing this. They they just suck. Uh, So they decided we're going to be drama channels. And uh, we're going to just talk about other YouTubers. So they, we were two of the YouTubers they spoke about during the Diablo Immortal thing. And yeah, they got short-term views at the time. But they, they I think, realized, if not before by now, that uh, that's not the right path. And uh, not just burning bridges and pissing off people you're, and, and cultivating a toxic piece of shit audience. Um, it's going to come it's back to... community, man. It's going to come back to bite you. And it did in a big way as I put both of them in their in their cowardly places. And the reason I was calling them cowardly is because I expected at least one of them to show up at Soul Retro Gaming Expo because it's both they're both within driving distance of that event. And at least I don't have respect for you as a man as if you said something to my face you had a problem with. And you, neither of you did, and that goes to show you what you're made of, which isn't much. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Need anything to add? No, I was...
1: Just thinking about how long it's been since I've been at Chuck E. Cheese. But...
0: Oh, really? Yeah. We should take a visit soon. Yeah, We, we, should, we should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, on with the the program. Alright, so um, at SoCal Retro Gaming Expo, Ian, we did a panel. We did. It was fun time. It was controversial. Uh, soaping up habits. Uh, Ian also revealed his, uh, I'm a, his... I'm afraid of someone his... calling me up for not washing my hands when I did. At, at a convention, yep. That'll so, ruin a person. So just that, that Ian's telling you, just follow him into these public bathrooms with, with your camera going like TMZ style. But no, but we spoke about <laughs> Reggie May is going to be retiring from uh, as president from Nintendo America in April, and uh, we spoke about that at SoCal. So we're gonna we're gonna segue. Kieran's gonna segue right now to it. All right, Talking about uh, something that just came out in the news a couple days ago.
1: Yeah,
0: about uh, Reggie Fesermae. Beloved president of Nintendo America decided to retire. Yes, and uh, wants to spend more time with his friends, his family, and his children. It's very sweet. Instead of just shepherding a video game company in America. Yes. So there's been a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, lot of feels out there for Mr. Thiesemey because he's been uh, working with Nintendo. Started vice president marketing in around 2003, and then he went up to president a couple years later. And everyone likes Reggie. Yeah, he's a goddamn cutie. Okay, he's a cute guy, he's like 6'4", if you ever him in person, he's, he's a handsome Hulk man. Yes. Maybe he played linebacker in college, I don't know. Looks like he'll break out of any suit he's in. <laughs> he just just has to, to, he's got those shoulders, just has to pose it down, and out he comes. <laughs> uh, but he, he became beloved because of all, you know, he was always um, always doing the E3 conferences, but then, when they really stopped doing that, the past uh, couple of years, Nintendo Directs—he's he, been a face of those as well. And he really was—he put a happy sort of face on the the business side of Nintendo, and you don't usually see that with the presidents or CEOs of companies. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are, were so ingratiated with, with the man. Yeah, people
1: people became attached to him. I think I think one of the big things that, um, at least for me, one of the points where I was like, okay, this guy's kind of cool is. Um, don't remember where it was at, but it was when he pulled the DS out of his pocket and showed that he had over a hundred hours on Dragon Quest 9. And it was like, oh, okay, I mean, you're not... I mean, you're you're a corporate CEO, you're bullshitting
0: some of the time, but at least you like the stuff that you're selling. Well, sure, you know, you have to you have to be the head of this this gigantic company, you also have to listen to uh, Nintendo in Japan. So, you're, you're walking this line at the same time, you want to put a happy face on a huge North American... Market that maybe conservative Japan won't do. So it's great that they had all the skits that they would shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, Reggie as a Terminator is one of the most famous ones. They did the robot chicken one a few years ago when it was all the, the stop motion stuff. Yeah, the Muppets, uh, which was great. Um, you know, when when, when when Reggie like he terminated the, the guy asking about Earthbound three. Remember the audience? Yeah. Throw, it was it was fantastic stuff that you wouldn't see a huffy puppy uh, maybe corporate giant necessarily do. In order to you know push out new games, and yeah, he was there doing lows and highs and lows. You know the Wii, did Gangbusters, and then the Wii U was the Dark Ages, so to speak, uh, in Nintendo's lifespan. And now he's stuck around to make sure that you know the company's going out and he's going out in a good way uh, with the Switch doing you know doing Gangbusters and the company being in good shape. It's pretty amazing to see
1: a um, I don't know a CEO, someone in a big business these days, leave on their own terms. Not disgraced. Yeah. Uh, you know, leaving in good health, happy
0: of his own volition. Yeah, 15 years for, for someone as a president, assuming he was COO, uh, that's a good run. Especially when you have to answer not just to potential shareholders, but uh, a parent company that's international. Yes. Who could, could yank him at any point. So... He did a good job, what can I say, the only experience I have personally with Reggie, and, and, and this isn't just people just thinking he's a good guy because, just because, I mean people like our friend Gerard's is interviewing him, mm-hmm. and very sad to see him go, like, he's a genuine guy, and of course it's business first, but it, he realized this is a this is a video game and, and you know, and almost novelty company in, in a way, and he, he made sure he was presentable, he was professional, but also had fun. He said he was going to kick that guy's ass and smash those on stage the one time a yeah. few years back. Mm-hmm. He knew how to have fun. He knew how to People thought that was a scandal <laughs> that he said that yeah. at the time. And then <laughs> that's unprofessional. And then even in his his outro video, he said, "Yes, my body is ready." He, yes. he recognized the, the big uh, meme that Brenell Floss did a song even of that. And and so he knew he knew what his what his role was at least as. Uh, the, the face going forward to the public. Internally, sure. you don't know how he really governed, but you assume that 15 years, that he, there's no bad stories about the guy, that you assume that he he did a good job, sure. you know, internally at, at Nintendo of America. Look at that happy face, look at those cheeks, you just want to squeeze them. I know. And, uh, 50, He's a cherub. At 57, that's a good time to, to get out, you know. So that means he started around 43-ish, uh, 42-ish. Happy and rosy. Yeah, and one time, I, one time I saw him, I was at E3 when they were still doing that, uh, you know, doing the big Nintendo directs, and then I saw him like about an hour, hour and a half afterwards. He was walking around. He and he had his. He, had his, uh, he, he was uh, doing the Street Pass thing on the 3DS. That must have been like 2012. <laughs> I saw him with it. He had it. He was someone, I don't want to say hi, Reggie. He wouldn't know who the hell I was. I didn't want to bother. But he was walking around. You know. I uh. I did mean, the Street Pass. You missed free pass, we don't do that anymore. I used, to, I used to have it open at the conventions. So yeah, it me was too. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I will say though is that the one thing that I would caution people against is that you, you can be sad that someone who's a president of a company leaves. I just always get weirded out a little bit just because when people say they're like, I think you mentioned about when I
1: said When I was reading multiple people were crying over it, it's like,
0: is that a little much for you crying over a president of a company leaving? Yeah. When you start to stretch into that's when you start to stretch into the um, the idolatry of a corporation a bit. And that's what I always get a little bit hesitant about. Yes. Whether it's someone like Steve Jobs, whether it's someone uh, who runs Microsoft or or Nintendo of America, let's these are business people that they, they they measure their own success about is the company doing well, is it making money? Um and, and that's really where to me it begins and ends. But yeah, it's cool that Publicly, you're cool, and that you like the product. But let's, yeah, let's relax about people's emotional roller coaster over a president deciding to retire happy with a ton of money. It's like, yeah, that's kind of a good thing.
1: You know, if you like, that. yeah, uh, Reggie's kind of that intersection too. I think of uh, his personality was good for the business, but I do think that it was more or less a,
0: a true personality. But you never know. Sure. And then he's, he's being uh, succeeded by Doug Bowser. Which we have all the jokes about Bowser taking over Nintendo, we, we get it, Bowser's evil, but he seems like the, the guy that... Fill in the blank here with the jokes you've Yes, heard. yes, D- yeah. no more Mario games ever, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like, like Bowser is someone that... <laughs> Uh, Nintendo and Japan are very happy with and he, he has a good relationship with them So it's not like he's the perfect guy to come in and, and, and take over like so it's, not like it's gonna be a pretty smooth transition at least internally On the outside I'm not sure how much of a performer he's gonna be on camera or doing those skits, but that's not as important probably Business-wise they can always yeah. get someone else to do that like that guy Bill that shows up and always gets made fun of Oh, Bill uh, Trennan? Yeah, it just... says you're fired Bill and it's, yeah, <laughs> so that so he there's there's, there's they have enough people out there to make up for it if it does not photogenic. That's like the first responsibility as a CEO or president of a company. I do hope that they,
1: I mean, maybe it's not Doug Bowser, but I do hope they find, I don't know, another familiar face. Because there was Iwata, there was um, Reggie, and I don't know, yeah, who else is it now? It went from a very seemingly personable company to, I don't know, maybe it'll be cold to go.
0: Uh, It has been, this is a quote from uh, Doug, it has been my great fortune to work with and be mentored by Reggie for four years at Nintendo America, Bowser said, and rest assured, we will continue to build on his work to evolve and expand our brand, your favorite word, furthering Nintendo's global mission of creating smiles. There are millions more of those to come. Uh, There's no more corporate speak. No bottom lines, no. No blue sky it. it. May started Nintendo America in 2003 as its Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing and became its President and COO in May 2006. It's a pretty fast rise. Yeah, that's, not, that's, that's not uh, It's good. Uh, his time with Nintendo began growing the Nintendo GameCube and Game Boy Advance era, His leadership of Nintendo's largest territory, expanded the audience for Nintendo products as phenomena like Dogs, Brain Age, Wii Sports. These were big hits. And Wii Fit brought millions of new players to the world of the video games. This is a press release. So yeah, so he was there when it blew up, in, you know, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Right. I'm not saying how much he's personally responsible because you know that stuff comes from Japan, a lot of it. But you know, you can you can help with the marketing and put the spin on things in in, in the U.S. You still have responsibilities. You know, yeah. but you're not you're not doing the, the heavy development like they are in Japan. Yeah, sure. It's still a big, big, you know, there's a big load to shoulders. A lot of people that. credit
1: him. <laughs> Sorry. is that Bowser? Yeah. Um, a lot of people credit him with... Uh, Ferguson, where are you going with this? Uh, a lot of people credit him with the um, the reissue of the NES Classic and the larger availability of the SNES Classic, um, you know, realizing that there was a market for it and you know, saying something.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that if, if you had it Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because Nintendo Japan G- was so strict about, you know, not dealing with the retro side at all. Yeah,
1: and the understanding of the the US market isn't perfect either. I mean, Jesus, thinking that that many NES classics was gonna be enough, that was insane.
0: Yeah, so he probably, I can can picture, like I said, Reggie probably had some spirit conversation But hey, we're leaving a lot of money on the table here. Spirited. Spirit. Reggie's got his Negan bat, I'm sure. Did you get hungry? No, I dropped this now. on my wood floor probably like 18 times, so that's why it's cracked up. Yeah, okay. But yeah, that's a good point though, is that the, the sort of turnaround. Of Nintendo's thought about their old properties, and including including the Switch Online, including like a Netflix-style NES thing, mm-hmm. which at first, I was not going to be the plan with the Switch Online. Maybe you can credit that to Reggie and the team saying, listen, uh, Retro may not be huge in Japan, but it's, it's bigger in the U.S. You know, maybe that's something you guys should pay attention to. They're like, okay, you're right, Reggie, please don't kill us. Please don't come after them. No. Reggie's a nice guy. But he's a big guy. I intimidating. I wouldn't wrestle Reggie Amstelon. Probably, probably wasn't my to away wrestling. I'm making up facts about Reggie Pizeme right here. I'd go after him. Ankle locks. Ankle locks? Yeah. I think got in a weight class slightly above you. You're, you're like a middleweight. He's a super heavyweight. I'm scrappy. You're scrappy? Like a bird. <laughs> a little bird. Right, anything else to add on Mr. Pizeme? I, I wish him warm a warm retirement. He's retiring in April. He can rest up with his family and kids and maybe grandkids on the way. Who knows? And, uh, yeah, he can still enjoy his 3DS. Uh, his we still playing that his Switch. He'll be able to play all the pranks he wants on I mean, for Fools. He won't be working. Yeah, maybe they will bring him back with some of those videos. Why not? They'll have him, they'll have him in. The I feel like he's a prankster. He's a prankster? I, think? I think he's a prankster. Okay,
1: But not one of those shitty YouTube pranksters. No, not at all. Well, that, that's an that's old pad at this point. Reggie's probably a... Uh, we're really... We're really defining Reggie to our own terms. Yeah, right. we're I, that's I feel like he's a whoopee cushion guy. A Whoopee cushion? Oh, he's, he's a whoopee cushion and <laughs> joy buzzer guy. Not percent Not the blue gum guy. No, not the yeah. joy buzzer guy. <laughs> not the ice cube fly guy. I had one of those. You two. had ice cube flies? Yeah, I had
0: fake poop too. Okay, that's good to know. The audience is, is enthralled by that. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bye, Reggie. We're back. Yay. Some salient points made uh, as usual. I think I rambled on for too long in the beginning, uh, Ian. I don't mind that you slapped the mic away from me at some point. <laughs> at first, I was a little mad. I know we almost broke up. The podcast was almost done there, but uh, yeah, that was our coverage of, of, of Reggie, and we wish him well in his retirement. Yep, Ian. So we got a we got the analog Mega SG coming out. That's is, right. It's going to be the uh, the HD. Genesis FPGA console that you are super excited for, and I'll probably I'll, I'll probably get one as well. the The Super NT over there is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a They're works of arts. They're great units. Um, so the tall unit, absolute the, unit.
1: <laughs> the exciting news, um, coming out about the, um, the Mega SG right now is, uh, they're going to include a digital copy right on the system of a game called Hardcore. Um, they're going to be calling it i believe ultra core for copyright reasons or something like that altered but, core ultra core ultra core ultra core okay. um we actually discussed this i don't even know how long ago a year ago really yeah we talked about hardcore um it was a it was a genesis game uh, that was unreleased from 1994 it was almost entirely finished and uh it was uh done by dice um, oh we, we did talk about this yes we did and uh Whoa. so looks cool yeah, it does. It's a Turkin style run and gun run shooter. And gun shooter. Uh, it's the type they, they, they uh, some people call Euro
0: style run and gun shooter. Um, and that's because you can. there's a lot of traversing, like vertically in levels as well, yeah, going back. Versus a yeah, traditional run and gun, you just go forward. Right. It's not exactly like a Metroid
1: game, but it's, you know, there's there's, there's lots of areas to explore. Sure. Um, so, the graphics are great. Yeah, it looks wonderful. And yeah, it's going to be included, which is awesome. Um, the same
0: way a, they included the, the uh, Super uh Turrican, in the, yeah with mm-hmm. the super NJ.
1: exactly so uh, this is fantastic it'll give a lot of people a chance to play it it's neat that um, you know when you get this system you're not gonna it says it in this uh, article but I agree that you'll you'll actually get to play a brand new game from that era uh, you know it's not a it's not an indie game that looks retro it's it's a straight up Genesis title so that should be pretty cool
0: this is great. Um apparently they worked out a deal that, to include this so that that 's good uh the The only known source code came from a single dead hard drive that was barely recovered yeah. and that 's what I mean about game preservation lot well, this is very t- touch and go when it comes to these games seeing the light of day or not yeah i mean so there's there's there 's games out there that the developers even don't know well, i don 't know where that is well, i don 't know what could have happened to it oh yeah so that 's why when when this comes out this is a joyous day when this stuff happens. Uh, and, and like I said, when you when you take a look, yeah, you, you get smart bomb. The the green blaster twirls around real quick. It, it looks beautiful. The animation frames it. For, you know, it, it just looks great. Yeah, like you said, it is like a Euro style sort of shooter. You're not going in a straight line really. You know, it's almost like um, I'm trying to think of am trying to think of an analog but besides besides a Super terracon that you do this, where you know you're taking your time. I mean, there's a timeline, but you can you're, you're traveling around the level, uh, doing whatever you want to do, exploring. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, the, this is going to cost, what is this going to cost? The, the, uh, uh the I 189, I it was 189, 189, 99 are out of your mind. Uh, it's going to ship in <laughs> April already, already. Wow. And, uh, this is gonna, I think it's going to sell well. It'd be interesting to see, uh, after this, what analog has planned because the, they would have covered the two major 16 bit systems at that point. You know, there's not a huge amount of cartridge systems left to go. Ian's, Ian's really hoping for the FPGA pc engine i'm guessing that's right that would be uh revolutionary i think and then the modding scene will cry because no one will ever need to get a modded uh <laughs> a pc engine ever again oh i guess i'm ready for the cd games maybe they'll figure that out well that's what i was what i'm like mm. maybe maybe we'll, maybe they'll figure out you can make it they'll say hey you can just plug in a usb you know dvd drive or something or cd drive maybe they will just have that capability well, would that'd would be, be simple Wouldn't what's that, that? be spiffy I don't see why they wouldn't you're just loading the data from somewhere, yeah, in, into into uh, you know into uh, into RAM, right, or into read only memory, whatever. The only thing that I could think of that'd be weird
1: is that system is really touchy with drive speeds. Like if you're trying to burn a game and whatnot, you have to do it at like one speed. I wonder if you know you could even get a type of drive that would.
0: Well, I'm just talking about uh, using a drive to play the real software. Still, sure, and, and load it up. Yeah, that's all. No, that's a, you're talking about playing a burned game.
1: Well, I'm talking about like. Is 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 the system touchy to the speed of the drive? Like, would you need oh. a drive of that sort? No, nah, they'll, they'll figure it out. Come yeah, on,
0: people are smart. Kev, Trish is a genius. He'll figure it out. That's <sighs> that's that's small potatoes. All right, anything else to add? No. So it's ultra core due to licensing reasons. So there you go. It's Twenty five year old game that we are now seeing that was lost before. All right. So uh, I mentioned this briefly during, you know, where the official battle royale uh, forecast for. Uh, uh, for for Fortnite. I am the Apex legend. You're the Apex yeah. legend? That's how good I am at Battle Royale games. <laughs> and, and Public Battlegrounds J G- G, Public Battlegrounds
1: G. That sounds like a, a Japanese game, a shooter. From, like, <laughs> it does? Yeah, the, the, the addition of like just a random letter really seems like it seals that deal.
0: So I briefly touched upon this last time but it's, it, about how uh, this festival was done trying to do a Fortnite festival. They had, uh, like... I guess like a bouncy house, and they had little rides, and they and you can play Fortnite there. It was in Norwich. Um, so, Epic Games got word of it, maybe from the official Battle of P- Pockets. I don't know, and uh, <laughs> they they're going to be pursuing legal action against the company for the uh, this was a disastrous festival. Like yeah. this was this was not worth people's time. This was a I, this was a much smaller scale fire festival. Yeah, the organizer, exciting events, says it has been forced to cease all trading activities immediately. So that the email was sent to all their customers and forwarded to Eurogamer by an aggrieved party <laughs> from Sean Lord, the head of Exciting Events Limited. In this statement, Lord insisted that the vast majority of children love Fortnite Live I'm Norwich, sure they did, and claimed that Exciting Events were still committed to hosting two future Fortnite Live events. And after all the national publicity and personal abuse and threats experienced by the directors and family of the business. However, in response to the media frenzy, Lord, continue. Epic Games have now forced the shutdown of the two pre-booked Fortnite live events, with the immediate removal of all promotional communication from the public domain. So, you think Epic Games is happy that someone went out of their way to do a Fortnite festival without their input? No. That's probably what it was, uh, Mr. Lord. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a... uh, Regardless of whether or not this was a success or a disaster.
1: and It was a disaster, but they wouldn't have been happy regardless. There's a... uh... There's a line in here where, uh, further down, I believe, where he says um, that the Fortnite festival is for the children, much like Wu Tang is for the children. It's all for the children, but it's it's for the money. I mean, you don't run a Fortnite fest and then have very little Fortnite-themed
0: activities there unless you're trying to dupe people out of their money. If it's a business venture, it's for the money. money. Yeah, yes, the children could have fun if you put on a proper event but it's for the money yeah. this is a business that's now getting destroyed because you charged for a ticket so it's for not, the money yes, it's, it's not money. charity yeah. it's either it's either a charity event or it's a profit event you know like that's that's what you got there that's where you're falling into there so the in the original story this, this made international headlines like it came all the way to see your podcast um uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the original story just said Tickets prices were too high The attractions were terrible Families who did pay Were left queuing in the cold I like the word queuing Me too uh, Summary funds were issued In the day But the event's Facebook page Has disappeared Very little at the event Was actually related to Fortnite And absolutely none of it Was officially licensed Yeah They used the font
1: They used the name They used the characters, characters They used the game <laughs> So,
0: yeah, you know, I mean, just trying to throw something together for the children. Uh, The the quality of our player experiences is incredibly important to us, whether it's inside the game or at official public events like last year's Fortnite Pro-Am. An Epic Games spokesperson said, Epic Games was not in any way associated with the event that took place in Norwich, and we've issued a claim against the organizers in the High Court of London. Did you see this picture down here at the
1: bottom? It looks like it's being held in a 4-H facility, and it has like <laughs> it's
0: a little two where- rows of booths. It's a warehouse with some booths. It looks like there's there's some vendors there, uh, hanging out, and uh, yeah, it was a total cash in on the name uh, of, of a popular game, and you know that's a that's a registered trademark. I guess trademark laws are probably similar in the UK versus here. So uh, Epic Games is going to go after them. Well they'd also go after an Unreal tournament uh festival if everyone one ever came up. But you know what, since you haven't done a new game in uh, eleven years, twelve years, that there's no need to do one. They don't no need to do a festival That's right, there for that. that. Maybe paddle start one up. Just get get on the radar there. Anytime something gets this big, you can pretty much expect something. There's gonna be like a to happen. I'm surprised I haven't seen uh, more knockoff uh merchandise already. Like i I guarantee you that maybe we're not looking hard enough because I'm sure it's out there. Uh, I I want to go back to the Jersey Shore this year to see knockoff Fortnite stuffed animals. Like I, I want to yeah. go back to the '80s how they had the knockoff ETs. I want to see yeah. knock knockoff llamas and characters from Fortnite on the boardwalk on the Jersey Shore. Good old Jersey I'll Shore. Knockoff AK-47 with the,
1: with,
0: with, the, with with the totally legit game wheels. That are totally regulated by the, the, the gaming commission of New Jersey that yeah. that didn't care about, you know, kids in the eighties and nineties uh, putting down fifty cents, quarter, a dollar time to spin those wheels that were totally random.
1: Absolutely totally. random. Not weighted or anything. Not really.
0: weighted, they're not controlled by fucking buttons underneath <laughs> by the people by the teenagers usually working there or manning it. I'm not even making this up. Uh, I could probably write a book about the Jersey Shore based upon just my experiences. You, they, you you'd MTV go there beat you to it. You go there and there's like fifteen year olds, sixteen year olds in high school working at gambling wheels where money is exchanging hands. Not games of skill <laughs> not the rig games of skill, games random of skill. games, which makes it totally gambling. <laughs> Sorry about that. That has nothing to do with Fortnite. Okay, um this is an article that I saw our friend of the show, Chris Chris uh, Chris Kohler of Kotaku Fame, formerly of Wired. Um Great uh, gaming journalist. He's been the not-so-common podcast. Uh, we butt heads on Twitter sometimes when it comes to the future of game collecting. It's he knows fun. how to
1: make instant curry delicious. Instant
0: curry? Delicious. He I, modifies I it. I feel like I don't have enough curry in my life. It's very good. Um, so he re- he uh, put an article up that was actually from originally from early February that he wrote that about a collector offering to pay 100000 for original Contra box art. And uh, the, timing, the timing was interesting uh, w- going back and looking at when this article was written, uh, February 2nd. Uh, just be- just because four days later, another $100,000 uh, thing happened with the sale of the Super Mario Brothers uh, sealed NES game. Even though that ah. news didn't come out for a week or so later. And on the surface, you're like, well, how are these two things connected? Well, the person offering $100,000 for original Contra box art is uh, a collector named Dan, who's also known on Nintendo Age in the circle as Bronte, ah. who is someone who got very, very close. I believe when I last knew about it, he was like one or two games away from a sealed, a completely sealed NES set. It's wild.
1: What was the ones he needed? Did you know?
0: I don't know specifically which ones. I heard rumors of one of them, but it would shock you because it was not a rare game. It was just one that you never found sealed. Oh. And he wouldn't tell the community about it because then they would jack the price of the people that have it. Gotcha. But... uh 99% sure, everyone in the world is, is sure that this is the man who sold the sealed Super Mario Brothers for $100,000 because he had almost every game. When there's only one known Super Mario Brothers, so this is the man. Aha! Uh-huh. This is a man, but this is also a guy that he seems like a nice guy. But oh boy, did me, when I was posting on Nintendo Wage regularly back in like 2008, nine, ten, boy did we butt heads in. in um, about sealed uh, collecting and grading of things in threads back then. I mean, we went back and forth. I mean, this individual uh, from Canada, I believe, a forty-year-old, forty-two-year-old uh, accountant from Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice man, but boy, uh, this when I reference about people uh, not being true game collectors that are into sealed collectors. This is like an example because I remember in our threads of us discussing it, where I said this is why materially uh, sealed. Game collecting is different than regular game collecting because sealed game collecting you are only uh you are only concerned about the box quality and more so the sealed quality. Sure. If you're a game collector, you're more concerned about uh, acquiring a game and materials related to that game and put, and potentially playing those games. Sure. To me, it's different. It's like with record collectors. Most record collectors. Uh, would want to play potentially a, a disc at one point, or, or an album. Record
1: collectors who leave their stuff sealed are dumb, because uh, over time, the plastic shrinks and brings in the corners and ruins the corners of the records.
0: So so in, in that case, it sounds like it's similar. While there are people that might be sealed record collectors, they're the minority, and the rest of the collector's are like, well, you're materially different because you're not experiencing what you're collecting. Sure. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. Because you can display a sealed game up but it's, to me, the same as displaying a box game up. The art's the same exact thing. It's materially the same thing, which is why I can't wrap my head around if this is going to take off with WADA and uh, and auctioning games. It's like, yeah, there's one seal, Super Mario Brothers, with a sticker seal, but you can find a, a, a sticker, uh, Super Mario Brothers fairly easily. Right,
1: the type of people who are going to be interested in collecting that are... It's a, it's a small... Uh, it's a small percentage.
0: It, to me it's different than comic book um, graded collecting because it's not like anyone can go out and just find uh, a, like an amazing fantasy 15 laying around to begin with the first first spider-man it, it, there's no so the material difference between a graded comic uh, from a like from from a 4 point5 to an eight or a nine it's still the same comic but you're they're all the same thing still does that make sense so with with video game graded uh, collecting that that video game that's graded the value of that because it's sealed versus it not being sealed, that's what is making it that value. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that correctly?
1: I I, I agree mostly with you, not not one hundred percent, but yes, it makes sense.
0: Sure, because uh, I, if I have a, a a minty fresh Ducktales two over there, the only difference between a, a heritage wanting it is a seal or not. That's really the difference. My my comparison
1: though would be more like well, this is. I I agree, especially emotionally about sealed collecting, but wouldn't having a slabbed Amazing Fantasy, um, you know, and then having a a trade paperback version of it be the same as having a sealed NES game and then having a ROM version of it?
0: Yeah, that would be a better comparison because you're still being able to experience it in, in an aftermarket way, is that what you mean? In, in a re-release yeah, so way?
1: I, I mean, I don't see it necessarily as different. I, I, I wouldn't try to make the, the argument that it's different. I would just make the argument that I don't have interest in that.
0: Sure, but you see what I mean, though. You can still experience sure. uh, a sealed game as a collector, oh, not having it yeah, sealed. Right, it's materially the same exact item. Sure, that's what I mean. It's just what state of 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 uh, what state of release is it in? That's that's all. Someone opened it or not. I'll show you. Anyway, standard release. So it's interesting. <laughs> you use water before the soap. So, anyway, so, so what's interesting is that uh, the collector Dan here at Bronte wants to get into collecting uh, artwork, uh, cover artwork, like the, the original versions of these artworks. He's holding up the Street Fighter II Champion uh, Genesis version artwork. He, he acquired that. So, because back in the day, there was no Photoshop, you actually had an artist draw something, you yeah. take a picture of it. And then put it and reproduce it on your box, and so it's art collecting. And the the reason I'm talking about this is, is because to me, in a way, I see sealed game collecting as art collecting. That's what I, I think is more of an analog. To no, it, I, I would game agree.
1: Collecting. I mean, the only there's a few games that I wouldn't mind having like sealed or graded, but just because I like the the artwork. Yes, and it's the same way. Like I don't, I'm not an active um slab comic book collector but there are a couple that are nice to have i just sure. don't see it as a whole thing because at the end of the day who's going to end up wanting a sealed kung fu heroes
0: oh there might be a few people
1: yeah. i mean i i brought <laughs> but, it up because it's me but i'm just saying in the future
0: yeah we talked about before how many people actually would want the sealed one versus settling for a a complete in box copy that's worth you know 10 percent of the value or 20 percent of the value of the sealed one that, that's and, and that's what it comes down to. I, I mean, like, like um, you, you can still experience the great artwork of Princess Tomato sealed or just in box. Oh, sure. It's, this, it's the same thing. With the, with the added bonus is that you can actually play the cartridge and look at the cute little manual with, with all, all the uh, cute little, what, what future on Princess Tomato besides the tomato? Uh,
1: everyone it's a whole claymation ensemble of Princess Tomato I think
0: uh I can't remember the name cucumber
1: I don't remember there's a cucumber yeah there's Percy Persimmon
0: Persimmon there's a Persimmon yep. that's right good old Percy we play that almost every year on the, on the, on the mar- yeah, uh, it's it's marathon it's
1: like it's, it's like, ugh, it's like um, Maniac Mansion it's a really bad one to play on the marathon because you, you, you're not accomplishing anything in five ten minutes
0: so uh, Dan traded a, a sealed copy of Steam Events in 2014 for the original box painting for uh, Panic Restaurant so huh. To me, that's actually interesting. I'd rather have the, rather have the artwork <laughs> than the sealed statement, to be honest. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Uh, let's see, he has uh, the original paintings for Blades of Steel, Mechanized Attack, and Ren and Stimpy Time Warp. Warp. Nothing like that. Blades, Blades of Steel would seem cool. Mechanized Attack, I don't remember that one being that eye-popping to me. But... No, but Blades of Steel would be pretty rad. Oh, the, all, most of the Konami stuff is fantastic. Yeah. So I guess, um, the, so the Contra one that he's after, it's, it exists... But the person that sold it doesn't know where that where the buyer is. It sounds like it's it's somewhere out there. Oh, so that's why there's a hundred thousand dollar bounty on this at this point to get this. So, you know, it it, it comes down to um, now. This would be interesting if this actually develops as a thing because mo- these most of these are one of a kind, unlike sealed games. Oh yeah. So this is really this is this, this is, to me. This is more makes sense of auction off these. Yeah. You know have, you know have these come to auction in yeah. in, in Sotheby's and. All right now we have a Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. Uh, this is a great game from 1993 on the NES. You know what I mean? Like they could be all hoity-toity at the guys with the magnifying glass looking at game art. <laughs> I just, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, uh, the, you know, the, the, this, this, this. I, have, I some of the guys show up that do the art come to like Portland, other events like that. But uh, a lot of those guys don't even. Some they have some of their original artwork, but not all of it. Right, it gets out there. The companies keep it. So. Alright, anything else? Yeah, check out the article article from Chris. It's very interesting. And like I said, Dan seems like a good guy. Boy, we used to butt heads back in the day. Probably we'll probably have we can probably you know we can reminisce over a sandwich or two. Everyone mellows down with age. Ah, it's just as age I don't have the energy anymore too. Flex Pro Meals Ian, it's a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes. Yeah, like, like brisket, mac and cheese. Backyard barbecue, barbecue, game day chili. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Pesto chicken, the famous pasta La Vista, <laughs> the Speedy Gonzalez braised chicken meal. Have you had that one yet? Not oh yet. my! It's like a like a pound of meat almost just sitting there, delicious for, for you with some rice there. They make healthier versions of, of meals that you are used to, uh, and it's a lifestyle change. It helps you out by giving you a meal plan you can do. Uh, three per day, two per day, one per day. It's up to you how many you, you want to get sent to your house. There's a weight loss fat trimmer plan for about eight fifty a meal and a lean muscle larger portion. That's what I use for about $11 a meal. The portions are big. Humongous. They're, 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 you'll fill up with this. Uh, yeah. So right now, you can get 20% off your first order with FlexPro Meals using code CU Podcast when you visit flexpromeals.com. That's 20% off your FlexPro Meals. First order with code CPOD. See a pos- pod? podcast. I'm getting hungry thinking about this. I can't think clearly. Flex Pro meals. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can even view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can view how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you can never miss the moment, the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the CU Podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. You can sign up at robinhood.com All right, but, uh Ian... Yes, sir. Do we have any tales, tales from the game store? The game Do store. Do we have any tales from the expo? From the expo. Uh,
1: we gotta have something. Well, after that podcast, I did go to the bathroom and wash my hands. <laughs> and someone. Can we explain
0: that we set that up for the YouTube audience? About what, so at the so at the
1: podcast. All right. So, so instead of instead of um instead of a tale from the GameStar so this week. Sorry, I'm sick and nothing excited happened yesterday. I was gone all weekend, too. Um, I uh, I wanted to keep conversation going a little bit longer before I we went to Q&A. And earlier in the day, I realized that I had had this thing that I always think about as scary every time I go to a convention. Now, some people don't like us. It's Really? That's like, fine. It's okay. Um, so, I always... Maybe it says more about me. Probably. But whenever I would go to the bathroom... And wash my hands at a convention. Or really any crowded area, but more so at a convention because there might be people there who don't like me. Uh, I'm always afraid that I'm going to use the restroom, wash my hands, and then walk out, and someone who doesn't like me is going to chase after me and yell, He didn't wash his hands!
0: (laughs) and start something start a sort of start rumor
1: yeah set a rumor where everyone's like oh my god he doesn't he doesn't wash his hands holy shit did you know ian doesn't wash his hands that dude just
0: took a fat dump and you know, did not wash his you know hands. i didn't like him before because of his acer- acerbic uh, viewpoints but uh, god his cleanliness Ooh, that's a shame that's a real shame so yeah that's that's
1: where this joke comes from we had a lot of good toilet jokes over the weekend but that was really i would
0: call them all good the audience got a little rowdy they were all fine. I i i had to had a, I had a whip them into shape at one point. Got a little little potty potty mouse on them. Well, then we went out to
1: eat and we got even we got even more potty focused.
0: Oh, you want you want to talk about no. that? You want to talk about us eating five pounds
1: of meat? <laughs> no, I don't. And uh, the
0: thing I talked about there must spread organically. What did you talk about? You talking about when we went to the Korean barbecue? Yes. What are you What are you referencing? That spread.
1: Taking a shower, Pat. Oh, like yes! Anything, so don't say anything more.
0: Yes, okay. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, this is where the lines blur between Ian's uh, hygiene and, and what's what's innuendo, what's rumor, what's real. I won't, I won't give it away in case Ian... I like to I like to co- screw with people. Unless Ian drops that tidbit on you. Oh, yes. One hell of a tidbit. Um, so we don't have any tales from the game store? Unfortunately No other not. convention... Uh, convention, this, this may not make the YouTube, YouTube error because... Uh, it seemed like it, it was fun. I saw, I was, I'll, t- I'll tell it you was this. It was a very relaxed convention. Y- yeah, even though it was it, busy. It was
1: busy, but, like...
0: It was laid. It's b- Southern California. I wasn't running around.
1: I, you know, I was in bed at a relatively decent hour. It doesn't mean I slept, but I was in bed at a relatively
0: decent hour. Everyone was friendly. Everyone just well, seemed very calm. For Ian, that's, like, 3 a.m. for a relatively decent hour. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's, Ian's sleep. Patterns are different than the rest of us. I tried to go to bed at 8.30 last night. That 8.30? Like that.
1: Yeah, when I called you, I literally turned the light off and tried to go to bed, and then like two and a half hours later, I was like, I can't. I hurt too much, so I got up and went out to the Don't you, room. you
0: don't fall asleep to the, the melodious voice of Robert Stack? on Unsoldier. I do that. Oh, are you it's, seriously? That's a good voice. That's how I fall asleep sometimes.
1: Yeah, I would do it. Yeah. I, I've fallen asleep to Stack. I've fallen asleep to the <laughs> to the uh, Forensic Files guy.
0: Yeah, they both have voices in that very, they're very soft but firm. And yeah, soft but very sturdy. Yes, yes. A sturdy voice. You don't want to, You don't want to, You don't want to be told that, that you didn't do your chores and of those voices. Oh no! Uh-uh. Did you know you did not make your bed tonight? Ian? I well, love, all right,
1: well, we're right, Mister Stack. I love Robert Stack, <laughs> but he might be a sca- he might have been a scary grandpa. I think he would
0: have been nice. He would, have I been he been the would be the guy. Nice. Would, I think we been going. Wait, what's that behind your ear? And pulled out <laughs> yes. <that> the nickel. <laughs> pulled,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pulled out an alien spacecraft.
0: So let's take a look at that report, Guard Son. Yeah. <laughs> See so my my grandfather had like a Robert Stack type attitude, but he was kind of cold. Uh, you know, he, he was he was, a, he was a you know salt of the earth type of guy worked at a you know a, at a uh, warehouse for like thirty seven years. You know, he said I worked in there for thirty seven years as a badge of honor, but a little cold. A lot of those guys that grew up, you know, the Greatest Generation, they they could be a little cold when it came to children. And great, oh, he didn't slap me around or anything. No, you know, you know. A, a hug would have been nicer once in a while, Grandpa. Just, that's all. My grandpa Erbacher was the same way. Real nice name? Er, grandpa Erbacher. Erbacher? Erbacher. That's, that's a great name, Erbacher. That's my mom's last name. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Um, but, I mean, nice guy. Loved him. But, yeah, I mean, if you got a show of affection maybe once a year, you were doing pretty Just good. once a year. That's yeah. all, grandpa.
0: Yeah. You get, he would t- could tell good jokes, though. That was his way. He, oh, you know yeah. Like, old Italian, grandpa would tell you jokes and little little turns of phrases and things like that. You know, but oh, I was like, let's talk about it. Oh. I sold the first game from my collection, officially not a double. I sold a complete in box, uninvited, and that was a game that I have a cartridge of, but I don't have a double of the box version of it. So that's the first. That's the first taste of it. The, of my collection going. I also yep. sold stuff like uh, at a sports, uh, black sports, uh, Dreamcast console. I sold. I sold an Omni uh, trivia game. Uh, that I got as a gift is because you know I probably will never play it. And there was a guy that was like one guy said, you know what? I'm into that weird stuff from like the seventies. It actually came out in the eighties. Like, oh, I want that. I'm like, okay, take it. It's very cool looking. Yeah, very cool. Um, I'll never get around to it. That's the start, like how Ian first started dribbling out his NES games into into the world. That's Pat starting to dip his toe in the water about moving his games. It gets easier the more you let go. It's just an avalanche. It's an avalanche. Just yep. a release. Yep.
1: It's a release.
0: A gush. A gush. A gush. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, uh, so, again, this is a weird segment. It's an intro segment in the middle of the show. It's a palate cleanser yeah. for the rest of the show, uh, talking about our experiences. This, this is for the audio listeners. So that's what it's for. This is why you guys... Spread the word that this is an audio podcast to that, <laughs> to that YouTube crowd that doesn't like us sometimes. Spread the word about that. All right, we have a, we have a Patreon, Patreon Q&A topic. Uh, Ian, uh, how do you access the Pod Podcast? Patreon. I know it's on the tip of your tongue. You go to podcast... Or
1: Patreon.com. <laughs> Fuck. I'm blaming that on being sick. You go I'm to Patreon.com slash Podcast. They both start with P.
0: <laughs> he likes to pee and then put soap on his hand for water. Sp- yeah, that's right, I do. Uh, so this was an interesting result because there's going to be... It seems like first and second place are going to be running neck and neck in the foreseeable future. We've started something on the <laughs> Patreon between the people that get into this. So in third place... At a miserable four percent,
1: that's like one vote.
0: That's 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 uh, Jesus. That's Gary Johnson territory. Should sports teams ban its players from Fortnite? Four percent give a shit about that topic. And the only reason I brought it up is because the Knicks' coach complained about the players not having focus and not getting sleep because potentially they're playing Fortnite. And you hear this from hockey players and basketball players that yeah, they're playing Fortnite a lot. So, so that's why I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have. Second place, hanging on for dear life. Forty four percent, which is a, a, usually that's good enough to win first place. What would the C podcast look like without that? So that's hanging <laughs> around. There's there's now there's now a battle with the Patreon uh, so, uh, subscribers, the, the Patreons. and w- in first place, uh, what NES game at fifty two percent? What NES games are a lot better? Capital, lot better with two players versus one. Ian, take it away. Uh,
1: So I personally think uh, pro wrestling and ice hockey are way better with uh, real players as opposed to computer players. The ice hockey uh, computer players uh, have done nothing for me in terms of (laughs) the year, in terms of training me (laughs) for the marathon.
0: (laughs) Apparently not, Ian. But there's always tight battles during the marathon. Always very, very
1: close. Very close. Um, But yeah, ice hockey would be one of those for me. Um, Another one would probably be, like I said, pro wrestling. Uh, After a while pro wrestling is boring if you don't have someone to yell at it's a good game (laughs) it's a good game but you can
0: only go so far your title has not been defended in a few years now Ian. so we got to defend that we defended it last year no we didn't okay i don't believe we did you still have it hanging up so yeah i'm actually using the nes guide app this is not a plug to search for all the multiplayer games right now How how many how many think non non um uh single player games you think are on the nes Non single player, non single player. So ones that are at least one player. Doesn't it be simultaneous, one or two alternating? Two hundred and fifty. Oh, it to be more than that. Three fifty-two. Well, I thought it'd be more than that. I thought it'd be like four hundred. So more than a, a little less than half of the NES games are multiplayer. So I have this on here. So, so, uh, so you're gonna stick with sports games? Yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, games like Dr. Mario. Like two-player puzzle uh, games are sure. to me a lot more fun when you're challenging uh, an opponent. Uh, even uh, Tetris people get in that mode, but I, I think puzzle games lend themselves to to uh, to fun. Board games you can't play you can't play Anticipation by yourself. It's oh, just it's just not fun sure. by yourself.
1: Anticipation's sort of fun when you play. You have to make
0: your own fun, but it can be real fun if you play it with two players. Go watch. Um, I forget we we did that. That was probably 2011. The Anticipation video. Yep. Was it even that late? It was 2011. Might have been. Uh, me and Ian, a uh, Pat Danis punk video, uh, Ian as the unnamed game store employee slash manager. Uh, we, we had fun, and that was off the cuff. A lot of us talking about the game. It was a fun time.
1: Yeah, the the, the whole part where we're actually
0: sitting there playing is more or less just we're ahead of the time. That was a let's play in 2011. We, we, we <laughs> could have been the game grumps, but actually grumpy gamers. We could have been that, Ian. Yeah, we, we could have been that. Um, I'm just going through the list here. What do you think about the arcade games? Are they less fun? The alternate games, like like waiting to play a Galaga round. When someone's uh, playing, would you rather just be a single player? Yeah, I don't like that. You don't like just competing for a high score? I mean, I do, but you can do that without having
1: the alternating. I feel like that takes you out of it. You think so? But it's fine in the arcade, I guess. I just... I don't know. Depends so, on the game.
0: So, uh, alternating games like Arkanoid, you would think, Nah, it's not worth waiting around, giving the controller asshole. I mean, it's a fun game. Maybe. Uh, fighting games. Yeah,
1: there's just none of
0: those really on the
1: NES. But yes, fighting games in general. There's none.
0: All. You got best of the best. You got tur- turtles I tournament fighters. None.
1: I know there's tournament turtles fighters. Tournament
0: Tournament turtle fighters. What about uh, platformers? I like Super Mario Brothers. Is it fun to, fun to fun to wait? Well, one in three, two is single player. Which it's I could... it's just fine. I mean, it's fun to do that, especially if you're hanging out with a friend,
1: taking it easy. But I wouldn't say it's better.
0: I think Super Mario three, the fact that you work together to clear clear a world is pretty cool. That is true. And they brought that to uh, Super Mario World. I think that's a, that was interesting. <coughs> that was one of, I think things that really stood out for me was that map overworld. But using two players, and then you see oh who who would uh, who would be able to get the, the the hidden item house? You know like who's going next? Right. There was a lot of fun. I think Super Mario three three is a lot more fun with two players. You're working together on a mission. What do you think about running gun shooters like Contra or Super C? Is that better with two? You think so? Uh, well, no, they can hamper, that can hamper your style. It's though. different with two. It's but totally it's different. Yeah, because especially if one person is pretty good, the other person isn't, and then you get caught up because it's like waiting for the person. Then with the jumps, you know, if you jump too early, if they're way behind you, then you stop and you die. You need communication with sure. with those games. That's like that's that's like NBA Jam playing with your partner. You need to always be talking to the person. Yeah, you know, it was an NBA Jam on the NES uh, there. Uh, what about uh, uh, Master Chew and the Drunkard Who? That's a good two-player simultaneous it's, experience. It's a miserable game. Miss <laughs> uh, Pac-Man. Well, the whole, well, the Tengen version had a simultaneous uh, mode on it oh, a as well. Uh, as well, we we're fuck it. NES Marathon. We're doing a lot of we're doing like a Miss Pac-Man block All right. and just playing through that version of it. Uh, Paperboy. Nah, we gotta wait for the person. Rampage. You. I think Rampage. You have to play two players or else you'll never finish that fucking game I hate Rampage but I hate it even more in single player I mean you'll just it was a like hundred and fucking twenty levels whatever it is it just goes forever Something like repeating that. it's nuts um, side pocket my friend AJ side pocket <laughs> I think mean, that's probably even this is a different experience beating the arcade at that good old Silkworm that, that's better simultaneous yes, it is. Uh, most likely uh, games like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune I think would probably be more fun it's not good playing the computer at game show stuff usually. No, anything like computer Family computer Feud. Like yeah. Family Feud on the NES. You want, you want to play with with, uh, with with someone else. Or even the Super Nintendo version with that. Um, and then Wild Bear and the No Gang, two players, it's double the fun. You just got to wait around for your right. throwing frisbees and skating over dogs well, and shit. Uh, Wayne Gretzky hockey is never fun. Nope. It's fun with zero players. It's it's fun in the sleeve. It's the most fun left on the. the most fun you have that with that game is comparing the different different box uh, cover art when they when they lost the license to to the Kings and he has a blank sh- uh, sweater on hockey sweater. That's the most interesting that game gets.
1: All, All right,
0: right. Racer mates two players. I didn't know that. Really, huh. is that true, or is that just n- not in the app correctly? Being that my last dev was a piece of crap uh, and did a lot of things wrong uh spoilers, I have a new dev that's working on the app, it's gonna update it and it's gonna come out hopefully within a few weeks. Um yeah, he probably messed up stuff like that in the app. But we'll fix that for that. Sorry I did not want to end in that uh note. Anyway, any any other games better? Two players? No. That you think of? Not Danny Sullivan? No. Really? Eh, maybe. Maybe Danny. Yeah. Super I think the super off road games are are, are are more fun with two players, but they don't end. So at that point it's just like right. well then everyone eventually beefs up their car. And then it's not really fun anymore. Sure. No, wait, wait, they do end. Yeah, they do. Super Offroad does end. Danny Danny ends at, at the Indy 500. Know what I'm saying, yeah, they do ones. end. Yes. Okay. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I think the, on the arcade one ends. Oh. Uh for Super Offroad, I mean that's what it is. Because you can just play forever. All right. Uh so anyway, if you wanna if you want to see Ian's <laughs> writings or get his monthly hangout when he's in a lot better shape than this now, it's uh Patreon.com slash C U Podcast. QA <laughs> time. I can do one. I can do one. one. I'm I'm done. I'm shivering. Uh, This is from at Darth Rook. What is one hour video game fun worth to you? $1, $2, $5. So this is interesting just because I never thought about what my entertainment time is worth. So I always try to like, when I look at it, I try to
1: figure out like the uh, for instance, if I'm having fun with a good video game. I try to look at the original release costs of it and how many hours I put into it and sure. divide it out and see, you know, what it is. <clears throat> and, um, you know, most of the time it equals out, you know, for an average modern game, you know, you're averaging out to about $2 to a dollar an hour.
0: Um, it was a 60-hour game or 50-hour Yeah,
1: so I feel like that's probably a, a pretty good a pretty good way to look at it, at least to create some sort of base, because, I mean, where would you start for a base? You look at something like that, you look at the average number of hours people put into games, and you kind of divide it out that way. To me, it depends on the kind of fun I'm having and what what it is. You know, fun is not just fun. There's all sorts of, you know, ways you can enjoy yourself. So, um, you know, for me, it would be anywhere from you know, a, a, a two bucks to play this game for an hour, or you know, twenty five bucks to go to a show, or fifty bucks to go to a show, and that's you know, that's like twenty five dollars per hour.
0: So well, this is asking about video game fun specifically. Uh, video game so fun They're, looking for, they're so, looking for you to say what to you is worth it. So two, two to three bucks an hour. See, I, I see. I'm more loosey goosey about it. I'm more well. If I play a game for ten hours, and uh, you know, if it's I, true. If I spend ten bucks on it, if I had a good time, that's fine. Then again, that's a dollar an hour, I guess, still. Yeah. But I I don't know, I've never thought about it in this it's an way. Interesting question. Just because other other see video games you can always go back to. Right. Other forms of entertainment, like going to the movies, that's a you spend this jeez, at this point you spend twenty bucks going to the lot with, with the surcharge, and that's two and a half hours, maybe three hours with trailers. Right. You know, when you go see something like Infinity War. So three hours for 20 bucks. Did I have fun? Was it a good time out? Then $8 an hour is perfectly fine. Right. I've gone to, like, you know, go to I've gone to orchestra stuff for video games. I went to the Zelda Orchestra. That was here a few years ago for, uh, for Breath of the Wild, which was great. And that was, well, like 50, 60 bucks. And that was only, like, what, two hours, two and a half hours? That was well worth it. That was worth 30 bucks an hour or yep. 25 bucks an hour because that's a, almost a once-in-a-lifetime experience. you are going, going to see a play. That could be forty bucks. Or you can go see Mama Mia on Broadway and for Valentine's Day. It could be a hundred dollars or a hundred and fifty, uh, and that could be worth it uh, if you're having a good time. It depends, I guess, what your budget is and how you value your, I guess, what your time is being spent for. So for video games, to me, it's a tough question, just because it's also tough because I don't know if this means for new games or old games. Because old games, well, old games, you can buy you can buy a fucking Little Samson for a thousand dollars, and maybe it takes you an hour and a half to beat in an hour. And is that worth is that worth a you know, $1,000 right. for that hour? Probably not. You know, I'm going to say no, since you can play it on an emulator for free. Emulator. So, you know, it's a tough question to ask. I think, though, this is probably how Steam games and digital games are more being treated in terms of, I guess, people playing them, I guess. If, I mean, I don't know how many 60-hour indie games are out there. Sure. Um, but I would think those would cost more than, a, than a, you know, a quick pick-up-and-play like a speedrunner. You know, you know, or free runner, I should say. Like, we're okay, it's a whatever. four ninety nine, and you get some fun out of it for 10, 15 minutes, and you're done. Right. You know, so. Anything to add? No. He needs a trooper here. I basically told him to go home. He refused, so.
1: Gotta get it done. But I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> you're ready to I'm go so home. ready to go home now.
0: Uh, Well, thanks so much, everyone. Uh, I'm gonna. Well, you're listening to this live. No, you're not listening to this live. Well, you're listening, you're listening to it to a live, but it's not live. I'm gonna go uh, stream a bit after this and hang out. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I got a certain super channel book for sale at UltimateSNES.com. The NES Marathon for Rady Children's hospital is coming up March 9th and 10th with, with Andre, uh, Gerard, Alex, Vani, and friends. And that's going to be March 9th and 10th. Go to uh, NESMarathon.com to donate. He also could be a sponsor there as well. And, okay, we're, we're having fun uh, here. Ian looks like he's ready to, ready to pass out. So... <laughs> I'm going to disinfect that that mic Mm -hmm. in a second. So that's Ian Ferguson. Goodbye. I'm Pat Contry. We will see you in a week.